The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Welcome to Connected. This is the podcast from Side Street Studio Arts, where we have conversations with members of the arts community. And this episode is part of a special series we are doing um, called Vote Local, the Art and Local Politics, where I am interviewing hopefully all of the folks running for Elgin City Council in 2021 to understand where they stand on the arts and culture in our city so that we can gather that information and put it in our toolkit for when we're making our voting plan um, in our local elections coming up. I am Erin Rayberg, one of the founders and executive directors of Side Street Studio Arts, and joining me today is our neighbor, Karen Jones. Hi, Karen. Hi, Erin. Thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we're going to, Kieran is at the office right now. So if, <laughs> if you hear a phone, uh, she might have to conduct some business. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. We're going to dive in. Kieran, tell me your Elgin story. What are you doing in Elgin? <laughs> uh, so I was born and raised in Elgin. I've been here all my life. I have, uh, uh, and I live in Elgin, obviously, and I own a business in Elgin. Um, I have two boys that are products of U46. One of them has graduated and is enjoying uh, studying at ECC. And my other one is currently at Elgin High School. And why are you running for Elgin City Council? Um, I, I love the city of Elgin. Uh, I've stayed here, committed to it. Um, I love that it's nonpartisan politics at the local level. This is the highest level of politics I could ever aspire for because I'm an independent and so local local politics are one of my favorite to follow. Um, I've been paying attention to it for forever. Um, and I'd like to be part of part of the process to create a positive and accurate narrative of Elgin and what's happening here and what's going on in our community. When you say narrative of what's going on in our community, um, what it looks like from the outside, what's happening on the inside, what do you mean by that? Um, a little bit of a little bit of both. What we're perce the perception of Elgin, and then the stories that we continue to tell about Elgin. Um, we've got you know some really great things happening here. We've got we've got a great school district, U forty six. If people pay attention and learn learn to you know follow and be involved in your community we've got great things happening in the community we've got um lots of great programs grant processes things that are available in our historical districts we you know you just have to pay attention i think that story needs to be shared a little a little more loudly uh what has been your past involvement in supporting the arts and culture in elgin what have you done what have you gotten into around here Right, so I am not an artistic person at all. I have no artistic skills, um, but I do love the arts community. I attend, I volunteer, I sponsor, and I invite people to participate in the arts. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really great part of of Elgin and what we have going on here. Um, I love 
I loved, I have a walkabout, you know, things are so changed right now, but um, walkabout theater on your feet, Fringe Festival. Um, I enjoy doing classes and participating in any kind of performing arts, painting, photography, those kinds of things. Um, so I love that it's all available here in the community. Have you seen that grow or change throughout your time here, right? Throughout your life, have your has your involvement changed or have you seen the dynamic change at all? Um, absolutely. Um, so I we've been, our office is downtown Elgin, you know, like you said, I'm your neighbor here. Um, and we've been down here for over 23 years now. And 23 years ago, downtown Elgin was a very, very different, <laughs> very different place than what it is today. Um, and we've literally gotten to watch it right out our windows, the different um, festivals. You know, 23 years ago, nobody was down here for anything. And now we have festivals, we have markets, we have theater, we have, um, you know, some really vibrant activities going on. I hope that when COVID is different. I don't want to say ended because it's not going to end uh, necessarily, but I hope when things are different, we can, we can start utilizing some of those things and enjoying that in the community again. You mentioned downtown, of course, you know, if we each looked out our window right now, we could probably wave to each other. Um, we know that downtowns are typically in a variety of areas, hubs for arts and culture activities. It sounds like you, you know, over the years you've seen this action grow. Do you think our downtown is a hub for this and, and how is the city supporting it? Can or should they do more? And then we live in a big city, right? Outside of downtown, are you seeing any cultural and artistic action that needs attention as well? So I think Elgin, downtown Elgin specifically is a perfect hub for the arts community and the things that are going on. Um, everybody who lives in Elgin identifies with downtown. They all own it. They all, you know, call it their own. And it, and it is everybody's downtown Elgin. Um, we have more residential here than we used to, but I wouldn't say it's a high, a dense residential area in our community, but everybody identifies with downtown. Um, and it can be positive or negative, you know, whatever, but they all have their perception of what downtown Elgin is. Um, I think it's a great hub. I think there's a lot more opportunity here um, for things. I think, you know, recently, you know, they put some string lights across a couple of our, a couple of our streets. Um, I think I would love to see that continued into the community. Uh, I think a perfect place for that would have been uh, DuPage Court by Ailes Cafe and the Dream Hall. Um, the alleyways lit up with the with those lights. There's that alley, I don't want to say alley, it's, it's a walkway that goes from Riverside Drive to Grove. That would be a great location to add more lights, more of that type of lighting. And then along with that, you know, create create spots within those areas that are destinations as well. Mural, the mural projects that they're doing, um, the sculptures, the, you know, the, the cultural arts commission grants that they're doing more of those murals. Um, when I was just on the downtown neighborhood association, we talked about 
um, a project to. <laughs> Sorry about the phone. I took it off the hook. Um, <laughs> we talked about projects in our parking decks to to make um, all of the walls in the parking decks and mural opportunities, um, lighting them up, and it, and that has two things. It creates a really safe feel if everything's well lit, and then a, again that destination creating those those extra little layers of things that make people want to come down here and see it. Two of my favorite murals in downtown Elgin are in the parking deck on Spring Street and the parking deck over by over by the center. But I think that's a great opportunity to to get artists involvement and and then they own it. You know, it's there's my wall at the parking deck, you know. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot that could be that could be done for hubs outside of downtown. I don't see too many um, areas. I think again, with COVID, we could focus on our parks, our large parks, Wing Park and Lords Park to become some sort of outdoor recreation, uh, not, they are an outdoor recreational uh, venue, but to enhance that and build that up a little bit, I think that would be, that would be great. Um, I think we could, you know, for downtown, back to downtown again, um, I've seen projects where they're doing the bats, you know, luring in the bats on the bridges. And uh, then you get into the conservation groups and some of those, those types of entities. So you're broadening the scope and the reach of who you're, who you're attracting. You mentioned the, the lights that have been added and, and a few other places that you might like to see that. What is the importance of more light in downtown if we're talking about it as a hub? Um, just lighting in general is always going to give that sense of whether, you know, it gives the, the perception of a, a safer place to be when everything's lit up. Um, we have challenges in our, in some of those areas and some of those alleys and some of those off the beaten path. And again, it, it lighting it up and making it more of a place that is traveled, walked, accessible, that um, makes you feel like you're, you're welcome there, you can, you know, navigate the way is, I think it would just be a positive contribution in our downtown. I think it, it, if you're hearing some scratching, right, Karen has phone calls to answer, but also there is a beast in her office. <laughs> An adorable yeah. dog beast in her office with her too. <laughs> One of my favorite hobbies is my fosters, and I'm lucky that they can come to work with me on my pups. So <laughs> well, there's one there now. <laughs> um, Elgin often calls itself over the years a city of the arts. How do you feel about the city of Elgin's current support and involvement in the arts? And is there anything that you currently support or anything you would change uh, if elected to office? Um, I think it's getting better. Uh, I think it's getting better. We've called ourselves that for a long time. But um, at one point, several years ago, we did a walkthrough um, with somebody. We brought in a consultant and did a walkthrough our downtown. And so they had studied up about downtown and um, were walking around and <laughs> he said, I haven't seen any art. I haven't seen any indication anywhere. And we've walked for eight blocks, you know, of this. Why are you saying, what, why is that part of the identification you have? 
Um, and here we are, you know, 2021, and there there are the murals and the sculptures, and we're we are incorporating that. We're getting better. Um, I like, I love that the Cultural Arts Commission does grants to pay the artists to do the electric boxes and the murals and, you know, um, to do all those things. I think that we, we could do better, you know, downtown, if that's going to, if that's our hub and that's what we say we're focusing on to be the art venue, um, it's a part of the central area TIF district. So that TIF, um, that funding has to be spent within the TIF boundaries of our downtown. And it goes further than just our downtown. It's not specifically there, but you know, it was created to help a blighted area, which downtown was. Um, and I think that would be a perfect uh, revenue source to increase the amount of money we have available to spend on the murals, on the arts, on the sculptures. Um, the, I'd like to see a whole parking, you know, like I said, the parking deck, murals on every wall. I'd love it on every parking deck, but I don't know how realistic that is. Um, but those, that TIF is coming to an end in the next few years. Um, and I would love to see some increase allocated to, to paying the artists to help do some of that. Um, and then there's concerts performances, you know, different things that could be, that again, could be funded and paid for through that, through that mechanism. You, you mentioned the, the TIF money. It's something that gets talked about a lot. And I, I think you're pretty familiar with the process. Can you explain what that money is, you know, and what it's designed for and, and right. You say it's going away. What does that mean? So the creation of the TIF districts, um, the, and there's different funding mechanisms, but the creation of the TIF district uh, at that time was created to um, repair and enhance a very blighted area. And so initially, and I was part of the process when um, the streetscape uh, came along. So it's the lower, it's the difference, it's a whole formula, but it's not actually a dollar amount, but it's the appraised values of the properties and it gets into a whole formula. But um, that difference then goes into the budget as the TIF funds um, and gets allocated. It has to be allocated, like I said, within the TIF district. And it can be, it, you know, the projects that have been done, the primary project that has been done now is the streetscape project. We did that didn't, none of those funds came from our um, general operating fund. So the downtown property owners essentially funded all of the streetscaping, all of the, you know, the, um, the um, infrastructure was also, um, the sewer lines and all of that was also funded and changed out through that TIF through that TIF fund. And then now, right now it's funding the project over by the Hemmons in that plaza, another great area to have outdoor entertainment. Um, but they, it's only for, I think it's 26 years that a TIF life is. And then hopefully at the end of that, um, you've met your, you've met, you know, and I think Elgin has done an excellent job with using those TIF funds on the projects that they've, they've invested in. And I, 
but it does expire. Uh, and I want to say it's 2026 that that will, those funds will go away. I hope that there's an escrow to maintain the um, bricks and the lighting and the, the things in the downtown because those are expensive. Um, but there's also, it's gone to do some of the rehabilitation projects down here, um, facade improvements for property owners, uh, many, many things. But as it comes to the end of its life, you know, that's, that, that money's not going to be available for very much longer. Um, part of that goes to fund the Downtown Neighborhood Association. Um, but there are still, there's projects that haven't, there's a sprinkler fund, there was different things over the years, but there's still some funds available that could be tapped into if we want to really commit to funding some arts and funding some projects in the area. That's such a, it's such an interesting and complicated uh, pile of money, so to speak. You know, I feel like I'm always learning new information about it at every turn, you know, especially being in and among properties in downtown Elgin. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you let, for letting me put you on the spot when, when it comes to the ins and outs of TIFF there. No, no. And part of, you know, I, I wish I didn't know so much about it, but part of, part of uh, when I was, I, there was a time when I was the president of the Downtown Neighborhood Association and part of the services that the city purchased from us um, at that time, it, our contract was to research the establishment, creation, and implementation of an SSA, which is a special service area, uh, to help fund the operations of the Downtown Neighborhood Association. Um, but then the city came back after, you know, I think there was four years of that, that that was in the purchase of service agreement with the Downtown Neighborhood Association. Um, and then the city decided that they would continue funding that organization through the TIF fund is where it's funded, but um, I don't know what the plans are for that after the TIF is no more, but got so got a ways to go before. Yeah. Before you have to talk about that, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I had to educate myself. That was <laughs> under that volunteer position with them. That was, that was the contract that we were tasked with to, to create and study and analyze. Some of these different ideas you're bringing up mention individual artists, right? Who of course, uh, you know, are being hit pretty hard right now as well as nonprofits and arts organizations and our presenting organizations all suffering during the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of them are the, you know, first to be shut down and uh, will be some of the last to open if we think, which you are very familiar with about like side street summer battle of the bands that is, you know, a room packed with people enjoying, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying live music. We know we're not getting back to that anytime soon. Um, so in, in light of everything going on in the pandemic, what do you see the city doing currently to support the arts, uh, individual artists and organizations? And do you think anything more different can or should be done? Um, so, like I said, I think it's great that the Cultural Arts Commission has those um, has grants available and is is you know that's continued and they're paying artists for their work. 
Um, I think that that's the place to start probably with enhancing and growing um, the, the comeback on there. Um, I think it can be a collaborative effort, but I think the best place to start is communicating with the artists and with the people who are in the positions that are needing the most help. What, you know, I'm certainly, like I said, I'm not an artist. I'm in a business that was impacted very, very differently by COVID. Um, so we need to start with the people who, who have the need and what's the best way to fill that need. Uh, asking them and starting the conversations there. And then the commission has been very active. The Cultural Arts Commission is very active and hands-on. And I think that's that's probably the best place to start. Um, knowing that there's the possibility of potential funding through the TIF, you know, can be part of that conversation. But I think the ones who know best are the artists and you know, the venues and the, the places that have been impacted on what would be the most beneficial, positive, and have the best impact to bring that back. As a city councilor, would you be interested in going through the volunteers on the Cultural Arts Commission to acquire that information? Is that, you know, is that that kind of chain of conversation that you're envisioning? Absolutely, because those are the folks, the people who, you know, all the commissions, I'm on the planning and zoning commission um, with a group of passionate people, but all of those commissions, that's what they're there for, is the community member input and the people, I would not be a benefit on the cultural arts commission <laughs> because I just don't have that background. Uh, but the folks that have that passion and are involved and are executing these things and coming up with that creative out-of-the-box thinking, um, those are the folks who are going to come up with the best solutions for that. So listening to those ideas and solutions, what do you think the importance of our arts and culture events, those organizations, even the events put on by the city like Nightmare on Chicago Street um, and those sorts of things, what are what's going to be the importance and significance of those as we recover as a city from the COVID-19 pan pandemic, um, how do you think the city should move forward? And, and when we are able to reinstate some of those, uh, is there a priority there for some of those events? Um, there's lots of, I think we have to start moving forward with reintroducing some of those events. Other communities are doing, um, are doing things, you know, even, even last summer, uh, I attended with my family and felt very comfortable. And I've been pretty cautious throughout all of this, all of the 12 months that we've been home. Um, but they, other communities had uh, concerts in their park where they hired the entertainment and, it, and it, I shouldn't say in the park, it was in the parking lots and you got two spots for you, you know, one to sit and one for your car and they had entertainment. Um, and that can go for theater, it can go for music, it can go for, for any number of things that, that you can safely start to navigate and reintroduce. Um, and I, I think we're going to all be more, <laughs> more appreciative and more thankful when we are able to go do that. Those are the things that we miss, the gathering and the... Um, 
it'll be different in how we navigate it and what we do and what we can do safely, you know, depending on, on how things all work out. But I think, I think it's a very important part of mental health, community health, <laughs> everything that we need to start getting back out there and making those connections in, in small capacities and whatever we can. Um, but I think the city, again, I think paying for some of that, you know, they, they, they do have the budgets for a lot of those things. And, and I think that's going to be helpful um, for them to continue some of that programming. Thank you. Is there anything else we have like three minutes left on your, <laughs> on your time clock here? Is there anything else you want to add in about this or anything? Um, I don't think so. I, I so appreciate that you guys are doing this. I think, you know, all your stuff that you guys do over at Side Street is thinking outside the box, doing these online things. Um, I know, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about voting. So I hope, I hope that your listeners will get out and vote for, for the candidates that they think are, are best, but get out and vote on April 6th for our local election. This is where you have the most impact on what happens in your community and what happens in the places. Um, so if I want to learn more about you or running for city council or your platform, where do I go? What do I do? How do I find you? <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. I have two running mates. Um, Jerry McHugh and Jody Perkins and our Facebook page is Jones McHugh Perkins. Um, you can visit us there. We're getting ready to start the schedule. We'll be out. We're starting um, some to host some coffees. Uh, we have five or six scheduled events with coffees with masks and socially distancing um, and also Zoom conversations, community conversations that we'll be having so that we can uh, get an opportunity to introduce you know, introduce ourselves and meet, meet people in the community and answer any questions. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, so that'll be on Facebook and social media here soon. Got it. Karen Jones, thank you so much for joining me in this interesting way. Listeners, Again, start to make your plan for voting local. Early voting starts in March and uh, goes into April, of course. Um, and we're hoping that you'll be able to use some of these podcasts, podcasts to help you make your decisions. You can find Side Street Studio Arts at sidestreetstudioarts.org and on all the social medias everywhere. Uh, you can also clearly find us in downtown Elgin and we can't get enough about talking about downtown Elgin, that's for sure. Um, we'll keep bringing these podcasts to you every Wednesday um, and the special Vote Local, the art in local politics um, episodes will come out a few times a week in the next couple of weeks. So you can keep up on that. Karen, thanks again. Be well, give that puppy a scratch. Thanks. <laughs> we'll talk again soon. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Connected is a side street studio arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.